0: In his 40-year career, William Higgins built a catalog of over 3,000 films and is considered by his peers as one of the most influential and beloved gay porn directors of all time. A Married Man, directed by William Higgins and starring Jack Wrangler, was the director's debut into the maddening world of gay erotic cinema. The film was so wrought with many location issues, technical glitches, and demanding stars that it led to Higgins calling it quits before the movie was released. Kip Noel was a fantasy for so many men, the first major twink in gay adult film history. A straight man with a wife, every few months he would shake off his life and travel the country as Kip Noel, the bona fide gay porn superstar. In this episode, we're going to cover William Higgins, a gay porn director and founder of Catalina Video who immediately established a reputation of casting young fresh, handsome models in full-length features with relatable storylines. His film, A Married Man, a classic gay porn film by a director who almost left the business before the film was seen by a savvy theater owner and given a proper successful release. And finally, we will celebrate Kip Knoll, a gay porn star who was lusted after by what it seems like almost everyone, and whose popularity was unequaled during his time in the industry until he just disappeared. This is Demystifying Gay Porn, my name is Iike Grande, and if you watch gay porn, I've definitely helped you get off. Before we continue, please don't forget that you can help this channel and this audiovisual podcast by clicking the subscribe button, clicking the like button, and selecting the bell icon so you can be notified every time I publish a new video. Also, leave a comment and tell me what you think. William Higgins was born George William Fisher Jr. on December 19, 1942 in Oklahoma and raised in Texas. In high school, Higgins developed an interest in filmmaking and photography. Part of what led to Higgins' career in filmmaking was a foreign film he sought out while on visit to upstate New York. The film was I Am Curious Yellow, a 1967 film by Vilgot Kholmann. Higgins was running a stained glass business in Houston where he taught housewives how to make stained glass decorations for their homes. At this point in his life, Higgins was approaching 35 and had never had sex with a man or a woman. He explored his sexuality by going to theaters to watch gay porn. Higgins thought the movies he was watching were so bad that he decided to, you guessed it, move to California and start trying to make videos himself. To prepare himself, he bought a copy of Steven Ziplow's recently published The Filmmaker's Guide to Pornography, which provided a checklist of various sexual acts that should be included in straight porn films, along with instructions on how best to film them. From there, Higgins purchased a second-hand 16mm movie camera and began cruising the local gay clubs like the Midtown Spa, a popular bathhouse in Houston. In early 1978, Higgins set out for San Francisco, but only got as far as Los Angeles. He met a man who would help him produce the film that would become A Married Man, starring Jack Wrangler. The experience was horrendous enough for Higgins to almost call it quits after just starting his directing career. Discouraged after the manager of the Adonis Theater refused to play his film, Higgins went to the 55th Street Playhouse where he struck a deal and A Married Man was a modest hit. Higgins returned to L.A., took a job as a clerk at a bathhouse in the San Fernando Valley and settled in Venice Beach. While living in Venice Beach, Higgins couldn't help but notice all the young, half-naked men sunbathing, surfing, and roller skating. He thought to himself this would be an interesting movie and began to shoot footage with film that was left over from a married man. The footage he shot sat on a shelf until Monroe Beeler, the owner of Century Theater in California, reached out to him and said he really liked The Married Man and was hoping Higgins would make another film. Higgins agreed and put together the film that would be called The Boys of Venice, the film that would launch his career. The Boys of Venice was a box office success and decisively launched William Higgins' career. Higgins set up Laguna Pacific to handle production and Catalina to handle distribution and went on to become one of the most prolific gay porn filmmakers in the United States. Over the next five years, he made 20 movies and set new production standards for gay pornography, single-handedly codifying the California aesthetic called the William Higgins tradition. The William Higgins tradition was based off of Jay Bryan, a contemporary of Higgins and his publication Golden Boys. In fact, one of Higgins' most successful films, Class Reunion, is modeled directly after Jay Bryan's pool party.
1: That's it. I'm sold. This guy, it's mine. i got gonna have it. To it. What would you have to do to get that thing? Fuck! Ah.
0: <laughs> Higgins launched several modeling careers, among them Kip Knoll, Leo Ford, J.W. King, and Derek Stanton, just to name a few. In 1988, Higgins left the United States. Now there are many theories as to why he left the United States, including one theory where Higgins murdered one of his young models by throwing him off a cliff. That didn't happen. What did happen was one of Higgins' talent scouts took pictures of an underage teen. The film was developed by the FBI posing as a film lab, something that was not uncommon at the time. Higgins' house was raided and surrounded by police cars, and after being interviewed and processed, Higgins and the talent scout were released. Higgins then went on a world tour with his talent agent and left for Australia, Thailand, Germany, Spain, Portugal, and Amsterdam. During this time and back in the US, the charges related to the incident were dropped, but by that point, Higgins decided he would stay abroad in search of a better legal environment for gay erotica. Higgins settled in Amsterdam and opened Drake's, a club with a variety of activities, including male hustlers, dark rooms, glory holes, porn, and an S&M basement. And food service. Things are very different in other countries. While there, Higgins found it harder to shoot since men in European countries were not as eager to have sex on camera just for money. Around this time, Higgins would meet two Czech men that began to work at the bar as escorts. These two escorts told him, He will find men willing to work in the Czech Republic. Higgins, excited by the prospect of beautiful young gay men, moved to Prague and quickly established himself there, opening a Drake's and getting back into filmmaking. Higgins had recently sold Catalina, and along with it is right to the name William Higgins, during which time he began making films under the name Wim Hof and making films for Dirk Yates and later All Worlds Video. A technicality gave him the use of the name William Higgins again, By this point, Higgins noticed the saturation of the market and the decline in profit. He also saw huge potential with the internet. So he started his site, EuroMilitary, which would later morph into William Higgins.
1: Have you been a good boy all year? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Merry Christmas. Oh. Thank you. Next. Have you been good all year? Yes. Well I'm not so sure. Yes. Okay, I'll believe you just as once. So now a special present for everyone.
0: In hindsight, William Higgins didn't grasp the magnitude of what he was doing. When he began his career, there were a handful of producers on the West Coast and East Coast producing gay porn. By the time he was inducted into the Gay VNs, the industry had flourished into the well-oiled juggernaut it is today. In an age when directors and performers come and go, from visual iteration to iteration, Higgins was one of the very few who maintained relevance over decades. On December 21st, 2019, George William Fisher Jr., William Higgins, died of a heart attack at the age of 77 in Amsterdam. Higgins' career began in the 1970s, pushing the envelope of what is and is not protected by the First Amendment of the United States. He would go on to be recognized for a signature look, as well as run headfirst into the dot-com era where his sites have found a formidable home. Here's to the hours upon hours of pleasure William Higgins has given the world. In 1978, William Higgins set out for San Francisco, but only got as far as Los Angeles. There, Higgins headed for Hollywood where he was told there was a gay area of town. As he drove down Santa Monica Boulevard and began to see hustlers hitchhiking, he knew he was at the right place. At the French Market, a popular restaurant for gay men in West Hollywood, Higgins met a man and told him he'd specifically come out to California to make a gay porn film. The man, going by the name of Edward Higgins, ended up helping Higgins find his cast, as well as use of his apartment for the shoot. This is where Higgins would get his stage name, copying Joe Gage and his business partner, who went by the Gage brothers. Spiney City. When you watch the film, the first thing that attacks your senses is the theme song. That would be Jack Wrangler singing the theme song of the film. Higgins met Jack Wrangler, who at the time was already a star, after finding his manager. The two hit it off at the start, but during production there was tension between the star, the director, who is credited to be Steve Scott, and Higgins. Higgins attributes this to Wrangler wanting to sing the theme song of the film. Higgins reluctantly agreed and paid for three hours of studio time and Wrangler recorded the track "Smoggy City. To make matters worse, Wrangler refused to allow the movie to be released if it didn't include the song. The filming of a married man went badly in so many ways. First and foremost, nobody knew how to make a movie. None of the three principals got along, and they all disagreed on shooting, performance, and editing. And add to the fact that, yeah... Higgins had an interest in photography in high school, but he had virtually no previous experience in photography or filming. And add to all of this that Higgins, not having that much sexual experience himself, had never seen two guys have sex up close until directing a married man. A married man was shot over the course of 24 hours. The film's location had been scouted by Higgins and the cast four or five times before the shoot. It was a mansion in the Hollywood Hills that belonged to a man who sold it to a Russian princess who was set to own it in a couple of days. The day of the shoot, the mansion was seized by U.S. Marshals after the owner declared bankruptcy. After shooting a bit of the first scene, Higgins and his crew were told to leave. Luckily, they were able to shoot the rest of the movie in Ed Higgins' apartment. A Married Man is a story about a gardener for a wealthy couple who was caught by his employer having sex with a hitchhiker friend, Chuck.
1: Do you live here too? Live here? I own the place. What is going on here?
0: Before she fires him, her gardener, in true snitch form, tells her about her husband's gay infidelities with the butler and the chauffeur.
1: Like what? There's been some mighty strange things happening since you've been away. I don't understand. I'm really, I really don't understand.
0: Through a series of flashbacks, we too can partake in the story.
1: If you're lying to me. You're fired.
0: The wife is in disbelief when she finds out everything she was told is true and even her father tried to hide it from her. There really isn't much meat to this film, although I can't knock it. But a Joe Gage film, it is not. In between the sex scenes, Higgins does his best at stylistic shots. The film overall does not look bad considering time and what inevitably happened in post. After a grueling shoot, Higgins would now learn the pains of post-production, and there were a lot of them. Higgins took the last of his money and sent the film to be processed. It was at the lab that he would learn that the film was loaded into the camera backwards. After some back and forth with the technician, Higgins was able to convince him to process the film. Meanwhile, through another connection he had made in L.A., Higgins was able to score a meeting with the owner of a gay theater in Philadelphia who was interested in financing the film's release. Higgins arranged for his potential financier to see the film. In the middle of the screening, the producer got up and walked out, saying, I don't know who shot this piece of shit, but clearly they don't know anything about making a porno movie. After that gut-punching experience, Higgins persisted, and was able to, by chance, meet another investor who gave him $5,000 to finish the film. Higgins took the money and took the film to a movie doctor to fix a slew of technical mistakes. Once the film was finished, Higgins met with the owner of the Adonis Theater, who refused to show the film because he felt Jack Wrangler was overexposed. Higgins did have luck in New York, striking a deal with the 55th Street Playhouse where a married man would have a theatrical release and become a moderate success. Monroe Beeler, who owned the Century Theater in California, booked the film and took an interest in Higgins as a director. From that point on, things got a little easier for Higgins and it was the start of his career. A married man had its haters when it was released from theater owners to producers to the filmmakers themselves. Ed Higgins had such a horrible time making the film that William Higgins was able to purchase his part of the rights with a big TV he brought with him from Texas. Steve Scott, the man who directed the film, and William Higgins, fractured their friendship during the making of this film and would eventually fall out years later. A Married Man was a learning lesson mostly for Higgins, who learned, It isn't easy to say you can make a better porn film than the ones out there without a swift dose of reality. All in all, A Married Man is a seminal film in gay erotic history today, and is well-regarded among its fans. How
1: you doing? How are you? How are you? I'm tip Yeah, how you doing?
0: Kip Knoll was born Thomas Earl Hagen on August 7, 1957 in Greenwich, Connecticut, and was raised by his parents and was one of seven brothers. Keep in mind that none of his brothers did porn. Noel's presence created a string of models who adopted his last name. As a teenager, Knoll began spending his time in New York City, where he would work as a hustler and a dancer and stripper at various gay clubs. He moved to San Diego with his wife and went to trade school to become a carpenter, Plumber, auto mechanic, eventually settling into machinist.
1: What uh first compelled you to do your movies? To be in films? To start with films, making them? hmm Uh I guess my desire and my uh drive for the for sex. Yeah, the enjoyment. Enjoyment of sex. I love it. What's it like doing him? Do you enjoy it? Um, yeah, I really, I get into
0: what I'm doing when I making In 1975, Noel caught the eye of a talent scout for Trademark Studios. Noel was then flown out to San Diego to meet the Trademark Studio director, Mark Reynolds. Reynolds was not impressed by Noel at first, and was quickly dismissive, but decided to at least give him an interview. It was during that interview that Noel would seduce Reynolds. Needless to say, it worked, and Noel began making loops. Noel's career was officially launched by director William Higgins after being recommended to Higgins by Monroe Beeler, one of the porno theater kings of the West. I'll get to him later. Higgins also recounts in an interview with Jerry Douglas having a similar first impression of Noel, as did Reynolds. Higgins thought Noel was too streetwise, but as he got to know him, he grew to really enjoy his company. Noel was inspired to go into modeling by one motivating factor, money. Of performing, Noel said, the adrenaline rush he feels in audiences also helps. As a performer, Noel was both a bottom and a top. A versatile performer motivated by his drive and enjoyment of sex. Although Noel identified as straight, he did go on to say sex was a part of his life. Every sex scene was real, unless he was cast with someone he was not attracted to. Then it was just for pay. What
1: is it like uh, doing your films? Is it a lot of work involved or uh, is it fun, the way it looks on the screen? or Well, it's pretty much both. Oh, yeah. Really a lot of work involved? Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of work involved. Uh, keeping hard ons on for hours at a time, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I I don't mean one or two hours, I mean like six, eight hours at a time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I you know. The people, some sometimes they'll cop attitude. Oh, yeah? It just kind of bums people out. It takes longer to work with him. It's all right. So, uh, there's work, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of enjoyment out of it. You gotta work a lot to get enjoyment. Mm -hmm.
0: His filmography was varied, doing two films a year during his time in the industry for fear of wearing out his welcome.
1: Hell yeah, man. Remember last year? Yeah, we had a ball. No, two. That's when we met (laughs) Blazer. We sure had fun in that cold. Sure as hell did.
0: Noel did want to move into modeling for fashion, believing that he had the look for it, and he was interested in fashion. His only recourse was every time he'd go to a photographer, they would ask him to take his clothes off.
1: What are your fans like? How do they react to you? Well, uh, as to which aspect? As uh, to looking at me uh, as a person on the screen or a person in life, you know, the real person. In life, how would they how would they react to you? How would they approach you? Um, totally different from what I really am, Mhm. Yeah, they A lot of people come up to me and uh, expect me to be the person they see on the screen. Right. But the person on the screen, you know. So what you project on the screen is not what you are as a person. Um, yeah, it's part of my life, definitely, uh-huh. you know, very much.
0: After appearing in films and realizing his popularity among men, Noel would take this and get on the road for a month at a time and travel to New York, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco for work, and then to smaller cities where he would make appearances at bars and theaters and shatter attendance records. Businessmen, lawyers, congressmen, internationally celebrated fashion designers, pop and cultural titans, boys next door, rabid older men, soldiers, sailors, marines, married men, single men, queens, rough leather trade, all lusted over him.
1: Well, what's it like dancing live on stage? It's a lot of hard work. You know, um, you gotta put out a lot of energy and you gotta uh, draw a lot of energy from the people. Cause if not, they just sit on their hands. And right. We just go catch. Right.
0: According to erotica filmmaker and producer Jack DeVoe, Noel was the perfect example of what would come in the next decade, a manufactured star. He was in pictures and undeniably had a certain quality, but if you wanted to know what makes him a porn star, this guy defied all conventions. He had a long trunk and rather short legs. His skin isn't particularly great, but the mere fact that he has been merchandised in loops, books, And a few movies and stills creates a mystique that he is able to live up to through chutzpah and charm. Yet if you were walking on the street and I'd never seen him before, my reaction would be, he's okay, nothing special. appeared on the scene and established everything we know today about a twink, an attractive young gay man with a slender build and little to no body hair. To many, he was the iconic William Higgins star. Noel was as elusive as his brand. One day, he just announced his retirement to William Higgins' remorse. Noel told Higgins he wanted to do some work. Higgins replied, I'll get back to you in a week. One week later, Kip Noel was gone. No one is really sure what happened to Kip Knoll after he disappeared from the industry. In an interview with Robert W. Reynolds, Noel wanted to settle down, have a family, and raise his children in the same manner he and his brothers were raised, with the ability to give them everything his parents couldn't give him. During my research for this segment on Kip Knoll, I happened to come across an obituary for a Thomas Earl Hagen who died of myocardial infraction in Utah on May 21st, 2001, under the care of the Salt Lake Mission. Much of the information seemed to be verified by rare interviews Noel had given in the past about his family. Thomas Earl Hagen, Kip Noel, was 43 at the time of his death. People just
1: stop and look at me and they'll say, that's Kip Noel, that's Kip Noel. Yeah. And just... Uh... I and mean, it kinda of makes me laugh inside, you know, because I'm just a person like them there. I'm you not just- not everyone's in porn at films.
0: You've been listening to Demystifying Gay Porn. I'm your host, Ike Grande. Demystifying Gay Porn is available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as YouTube. Demystifying Gay Porn is on X, Instagram, Facebook, Telegram. And if you like what you're watching or listening to and want to be a part of the creative process Head over to patreon.com backslash demystifying gay porn where you can help support this audiovisual podcast and YouTube channel and I can continue making content like you've just enjoyed. Once again, this is demystifying gay porn. My name is Ike Grande and if you watch gay porn, I've definitely helped you